is America Facing God's Judgment? Today we interview prophecy expert Jeff Kinley to look at this issue on A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs along with co-host Joseph Kerr, and today we have a great show for you. Our guest, Jeff Kinley, is a best-selling author and speaker whose mission is to empower people with God's vintage truth, helping them discern the times and become influencers for Christ. He's the author of 30-plus books and a frequent speaker at churches and organizations around the country. His weekly Vintage Truth podcasts are heard in over 60 countries worldwide. Jeff, welcome to A View from the Wall today. Dylan, Joe, great to be back with you guys, as always. We have so much to talk about. We want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 if you're sitting there with your Bible, depending on where you are today. But we have some things we want to share along the way as well. And just today, for example, I was looking at Jeff Kinley's Facebook, and he has this quote that I want to share to start us off. It gives us a little perspective of where we are as a society today. It says from Romans 1, then this is a summary. He says, first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil, and finally, then we persecute those who call it evil. And that is something we see more and more in our culture today, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to begin by starting with a book that Jeff wrote called The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis. And he wrote this book some time ago, but Jeff, when you wrote it, did you have any idea that 2020 would look so much like some of the things you described in that title? Well, what's crazy is that the book came out in 2017, but I actually finished writing the book. We waited until the election <laughs> to see kind of what how things were going to go. And so I finished the book right at the end of the 2016 election. And, uh, you know, as I wrote that book and, and wrote the things in it, it, it's amazing as to what has really happened and what has really been expanded upon what I've written in the book. And so to answer your question, kind of yes and no. Uh, no, obviously, I could not predict everything that's going to happen. But at the same time, yes, because I've read my Bible. And I've seen that, um, you know, God says that leading up to the return of Christ, there's going to be birth pangs. And once the birth pangs start, if they're actual birth pangs and not these Braxton Hicks contractions that are kind of false birth pangs, once they begin, guys, it, it means you're leading up to something. And I think that uh, what we began to see really back in 2014 and and even before that, is really just a ramping up to revelation. And so uh, while at the same time you can't be predictive about certain things, at the same time you, you can see where history is leading. And uh, even on uh, looking at the elections and that type of thing, even knowing that whether it be Trump or Hillary, you know, no president is going to be able to stop the train of God's prophecy. And so um, I wrote that with that in mind. And uh, sure enough, many of the things in the book is actually – enjoying this huge resurgence because people are going back to it saying, wait a minute, we should have listened to this guy in the beginning. You know, so. Right. What are a couple of things that happened in that book that have uh, come back to the surface recently? Well, I think one of them is just the idea of America being in decline. And uh, that's one of the things that, that we have seen. But it's like sometimes there are these dips where we just really go really deep uh, into decline. You know, there was the 
uh, the 2015 decision about uh, legalizing gay marriage. I mean, that was a huge uh, moment, really, in our in our history. And then just recently, the Supreme Court has made another ruling regarding transgenders. And, you know, who would have ever thought that we would be at a point in our nation's history where collectively we would say that a man can say he's a woman? And then we're all just on board with that. And not only saying, well, it's, it's harmless, but just saying things like, no, we have to give him the, or her the same rights and the same privileges as everyone else. And so, you know, just on this whole idea of, of declining spirituality, you know, guys, George Barna did a study long ago uh, where he says now that there at least 25% of America is completely unchurched adults. I mean, we're talking about full-on atheists, full-on agnostic. A third of Americans now have never been to church. Uh, the next generation that we're seeing is is gospel-resistant because they're not growing up like many of us did uh, going to church. And so, you know, it gets to the point where, spiritually speaking, you know, when you ask people, what's the most important thing to you in the world? I mean, church is not even in the top 25 anymore. And so I think that just speaks to uh, the declining nature of America. Now, I know some people would say, oh, no, we're, we're more enlightened now. You know, we're more, more uh, you know, enlightened and woke. But I think we're more blind and lost as opposed to being uh, woke, because not only do we have this declining spirituality, but also, as I mentioned, the decaying morality as well. And uh, the things that we're seeing in the passage, I know we're going to get to later on in 2 Timothy 3. I mean, it really does describe. But uh, I think the main thing is that we've, we're seeing the decline of spirituality, uh, pushing God out of the tree even more. And I cover a lot of that in the book with abortion and with um, persecution of Christians and that type of thing. So all of these topics, uh, mainly America, I think, I think we're just continuing to decay instead of getting better. We've had a number of guests on this program discuss this subject, Jeff, and you specifically address the book to America, obviously written primarily discussing that. So one of the chapters you talk about, which is a great way to put it, Gog, Magog, and America. So where is America in Bible prophecy? Because we look at the America that you and I know and the America that you describe in the book, and there isn't anything anywhere in Bible prophecy that you could clearly attribute to the country that we recognize right now? Yeah, and, and I make it very clear in the book. I love my country. I mean, I'm a patriot. My, all my relatives, my dad served in the service. My son is a graduate of West Point, served in the Army. and So we were a very patriotic family. But even beyond that, I mean, you think about it, I think as Christians sometimes, guys, we say, well, wait a minute, America is the greatest country in the world. It's the greatest superpower in the world. We're kind of a big deal. We've been to the moon six times. I mean, come on, you know, we're special people, right? But yet when you go to the Bible and you look at the end time, you don't see America there. Uh, even though I do cover in the book uh, six uh, prominent theories about where people kind of do see America uh, in veiled references in the scripture, you know, when you look at uh, the prophecies of, of, of the Revelation, the prophecies of Daniel, uh, America is just simply nowhere to be found. And I believe that the reason why that's true is because in the end times, America is going to cease to be a world superpower. And the reason why I think that's going to happen primarily is because of the rapture of the church. And when tens of millions of people are suddenly removed from our country and really representative of every strata 
in every segment of society and commerce, it's going to effectively just implode us, uh, not just economically, uh, not just societally, but also morally as well. Because as you guys know, the, when the restrainer is removed from the planet, then uh, sin is just released like a tsunami on our land. And so uh, that's why I don't see America in Bible prophecies. They'll think we're going to be weakened by the rapture uh, and by those end time events. Jeff Kinley, prophecy expert and author of The End of America. We will come back and talk about 2 Timothy 3 in just a moment. Stick with us. We'll be right back here on A View from the Wall. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. The story of the prodigal is familiar and loved. But as wonderful as that story is, it falls short of communicating the love God has for you. In the story of the prodigal, the father waited for the son, but for you and me, God sent his son. In the story, the father showed his love by welcoming his son with open arms, but Jesus demonstrated his love by stretching out his arms on the cross. In the story, the father gives his son a ring, but believers today are promised the crown of eternal life. The story of the prodigal is wonderful, but it is merely a shadow of what Jesus has done and offers today. Jesus loves you and is coming soon. It's time to get ready to go home. Let I Am A Watchman resources help you learn about Him, live for Him, and be ready to meet Him. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan Burrows and Joseph Kerr. We've been talking with Jeff Kenley, prophecy expert and author of The End of America. And one of these things that Bible prophecy experts tend to talk about is this increased apostasy that is false teaching that will be in the church during the end times. Uh, we want to talk about what is that and what do we do about it? So Jeff, get us started in talking about apostasy and its relationship to end time events. Yeah, I mean, people will always ask, you know, is there some sort of end times revival uh, prophesied? And I see a lot of people saying, that, oh, yes, there's going to be this great revival. And there very well could be. When you look at the scripture, we don't see that happening uh, in the Bible. In other words, there's no specific prophecy of an end times revival. What is prophesied, though, is an end times falling away. And we see that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul says, let no one in any way deceive you, for it, or the day of the Lord, will not come until unless the apostasy comes first. And that word apostasy simply means to depart from, means to go away from. And I think what it's referring to is the, I think two things. Number one is the great apostasy in the last days of the Antichrist and the, just the world state of affairs leaving God completely. But I think leading up to that as well, we see, uh, as Paul wrote to Timothy in the last days, men will depart from the faith. Uh, there'll be difficult days, as, as we'll see here in a minute. But I think that what he's talking about there is people leaving both doctrine and and lifestyle. In other words, both morality and spirituality. And uh, that's what we see prophesied in the last days. There's a little of each of those morality and spirituality in Second Timothy chapter three, and we're talking specifically about verses one through nine. So if folks want to get their Bible and kind of go through that list with you. There is a long list that Paul gives to Timothy of what the last days are going to be like. He introduces that way very specifically in the last days. And then he lists kind of walk us through that and the ones that apply to America as you see it right now. Yeah, that's an incredible um, 
passage there, and it's very interesting. You know, Paul begins by saying, realize this, know this. And then he speaks of difficult times. And that word difficult is the same word that's used over in Matthew 8, 28, when it talks about these uh, these demon-possessed men who are violently demon-possessed. And the word violently there is the word that he uses. It just simply means very hard to endure, uh, times that are going to be very stress-filled. And I think that's what we're experiencing right now. Specifically, the way he describes that as people being lovers of self. I mean, we're living in the selfie culture. Uh, we're living in the culture where you live your best life now. Everything is about self. You know, we used to have the phrase sex sells. Well, that's still true, but self also sells. And one of some of the greatest books that you'll, uh, great in terms of numbers, that you'll see on Amazon, guys, are books about self and improving self and loving yourself. And we even see that in the church. But lovers of self, lovers of money, just the pursuit of materialism, uh, boastful and arrogant, revilers. Uh, there are people today in our country, a huge movement of people that are just rising up to revile against things that are good, uh, to to be arrogant. Uh, they refuse to be taught. They're, they're the fools of Proverbs that you can't even have a rational conversation with. Uh, disobedient to parents, uh, just the breakdown of the family. Ungrateful. And that word ungrateful uh, means someone who has a sense of entitlement. In other words, they, they grow up thinking that something is owed to them. And so naturally, they step into the world, and they expect the world to give them certain things. And so you have an entire generation of people now uh, that expect a trophy for everything. Uh, and that goes even beyond just, you know, Little League sports. It goes to society, where they expect the government to provide for them, that they'd be given free things, uh, free health care, free everything. And so this sense of being ungrateful instead of being grateful for what God has, has given to us, Unholy. Obviously, we're seeing that in our culture in the spiritual decline. Unloving and irreconcilable. Uh, this whole hate culture that is out there today. I mean, people are absolutely livid and viral and, and vitriol with their words uh, against others. Uh, irreconcilable. In other words, there's nothing that you can do to placate them, to satiate their anger and their demand. And everything you try to do for them it's, it's just never enough. And in fact, that word irreconcilable means no libation. In other words, it means there's no sacrifice you can make to appease this self-God uh, that has been created. He just goes on malicious gossip, and that word malicious is diabolos. We get our word devil from. It means the accuser. Uh, people that are in this whole cancel culture uh, that are going after people for things they may have said or done years past, but they're wanting to cancel or ruin their entire career for it. Uh, without self-control, my goodness, the lawlessness in the streets today and, and what is promoted uh, in the media, just do whatever feels good. Like the old 70s saying, if it feels good, do it. That's what we're in right now. And then brutal, haters of good. Uh, there's no limits to the bounds of their hatred. Um, you know, Isaiah 520 says, woe to those who say, call evil good and good evil. Uh, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And my goodness, if that does not read like like your Twitter feed uh, on, on, on the Internet, I don't know what does. Uh, if we have ever come close to living the passage of Scripture, I would say it would be 2 Timothy 3 and Romans chapter 1. Yes, well, the conclusion of that list of 
traits that you just shared says they have a form of godliness but deny its power. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's such a good summary of where we are in our culture now. And it reminds me of another passage in Matthew 24 that talks about the coming of the Son of Man will be like it was in the days of Noah. A lot of people have been talking about this, and you've even written an entire book on this as it was in the days of Noah. So you should know the answer to this question. Tell us a little bit about how this relates in terms of the days of Noah and what we are seeing in our culture today. Yeah, and that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, that if you want to know what it's going to be like leading up to my actual second coming, he says it's going to mirror the days of Noah. And that we rewind back to Genesis 6, gentlemen, what we see there is a, is a culture and really a world population that is filled with godlessness, uh, that is filled with immorality, and that is filled with violence. And those three main characteristics there, I think, is what really describe the days of Noah. And, you know, I look at my world around me right now, and I see, my goodness, we have pushed God so far out of the margins and out of the conversation of our society. Uh, one of our two major political parties has written him completely out of their script. Uh, we're in a day where immorality is, you know, as you quoted at the beginning of the program, uh, we don't just allow it. We don't just legalize it. We don't just promote it. We celebrate it. And then we tell you, if you don't celebrate it, that we're going to punish you for not doing that. So there, there really is this prescriptive narrative today where it's not just everyone does his own thing and we're all okay with it. There's no, no, we as Christians now are being forced uh, to hear this narrative all the way from government institutions uh, like the Supreme Court and local and, and state governments, all the way to just society in general. So there is a, a spirit of the age. And of course, you know, the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's controlling this realm and the narrative that we're experiencing. So that combined with things like pestilence, things like rumors of wars, uh, things Israel being at the center uh, of the powder keg over there in the Middle East, all of those things with other prophetic previews all point to the fact that we are ramping up and becoming just like the days of Noah. Well, these are some interesting and also disturbing thoughts when we talk about the things happening in our society and how they seem to pattern themselves after what Scripture says will take place in the last days. But are there some good things that we can take away from this? What are the things in the last days that should make us hopeful and look forward to the coming of the Lord? What applications can we take away? We'll talk about this when we come back here on A View From The Wall. The Bible predicts the rapture of the church is coming. Are you ready? Soon many will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Only they will escape the dark days that are coming, a time of tribulation that will usher in the Antichrist and great destruction upon the entire earth. There's only one escape, one way, one light, one truth. His name is Jesus. He came and died so that we may live forever with Him. But to receive this new life, there are three things we must do. The ABCs of salvation. A. Admit you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Ask for forgiveness and receive His grace. B. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He came, lived, died, rose again, and will come again. Believe that He is Lord and God. C. Commit to walk His path the path He wants you to walk, and walk it out by faith. Then you'll be ready for the return of the Lord. To learn more about the rapture and how to know for sure, visit amiraptureready.org.
Welcome back to View from the Wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we've been talking with Jeff Kinley, prophecy expert and author of The End of America. And when we left, we were talking about some of the traits that would be visible in our society and in our world in the last days, and many of them seem to be very evident in our culture today. But in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, when these things will happen, and Jesus replied, he didn't begin with the answer to their question. He began with, don't let anyone deceive you. That idea of deception is important. Jeff, what, what deception was Jesus talking about in that passage? Well, I think just like in war, when crisis hits a country or a nation or, or a city or really a globe, that the first casualty is truth. And out of that void rises all of these voices, people wanting to be in charge, people wanting to, to be gurus and, and accumulate followers on them. I think one of the things that Jesus really highlighted was the need for knowledge and discernment. That when you, in the absence of knowledge, there, there's ignorance, and ignorance breeds fear, uh, it breeds confusion, uh, it, it breeds all sorts of, of anxiety that we might have. And that's why I love the Word of God, gentlemen. I love what you do in your ministry because you're all about telling people what the truth is. And when we have the truth, we have the comfort of knowing what God says. And, uh, you know, in these last days, knowledge and discernment are critical. And I think about what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, just echoing these words of Jesus about not being misled because false teachers were misleading them, even in the first century. And he told them in First Thess 4.13, I don't want you to be uninformed. And so that, that not being informed led to their anxiety about what happens to those Christians who die. He said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, after talking about the... Um, the day of the Lord, the Antichrist, the apostasy. He goes, don't you remember, guys, when I was with you, I was telling you these things. And that's really an ongoing statement, you know, in, in the verb form there, meaning that a part of Paul's basic curriculum for church planting was to talk about eschatology in the end times. And so he wanted them to be prepared. So I think the good news is for us is we have the truth. It's in our Bible. We don't have to look at the news or look at our own hearts, our emotions. We can just look at God's Word and say, wait a minute, He's already told me what's going to happen. We know who's going to win in the end. And if I have the knowledge and discernment of being able to read my world around me, then I can have that comfort too. I don't have to panic. Jeff, you've been on the program before, so you know we like to conclude by bringing a word of challenge and encouragement directly to our Watchman community, those who watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well in these difficult last days. I can't think of a better topic for them than what we discussed today or a better person to address that group, given that you operate on the front lines. So what's a word for our Watchman? And then if you would, Given the topic and the, the gravity of what we've discussed today, close in a word of prayer for everybody, praying over our church in America in the difficult time we're going through right now. Absolutely. Well, I would just say this, that right now is the most exciting time to be alive on planet Earth, if you're a Christian, because we are watching God literally with his pen write history right before us. And so it's exciting to be here. The second reason is exciting is because... Jesus said, we are salt and we are light. And at no time as the darkness gets darker, the light gets brighter. So we have a golden opportunity to stand for truth and to shine the light of Jesus Christ in our culture. So I would just simply say to your listeners, number one, renew your mind. Make sure your mind is being constantly calibrated to Scripture, all the time going back to Scripture, because we get poisoned by the world's news. 
you need to go back to Scripture. Second thing is, that Scripture says, gird your loins. In other words, be prepared for what battles God may put you into and make sure that you're fully equipped for that. Third thing, encourage your family and your Christian friends. And that's what Hebrews 10 says in verse 25, is that all the more as we see the day approaching, we build up one another and dial up the encouragement. And then the last thing is to simply live and share the gospel. You know, Jesus wants us to not only just speak the gospel, but also live it with our character and, and with our testimony before others. And that's how we're salt and light to that watching world. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for the believers that are listening to this broadcast right now. I thank you for the lives they represent, the circles of influence that they represent, and the opportunity to influence and to reach lives that neither I uh, nor Dylan and Joe could ever reach. And so thank you for them. They are the real foot soldiers uh, in this war in the end times. And we thank you that we have nothing but hope ahead of us for those who know Jesus Christ. And though it may get a little bit tough before Christ comes to rapture us, we know that the power of the Holy Spirit sustains us and and the strength that we find in the Word of God equips us to be able to face whatever this world and the enemy can throw at us. So may we be salt, may we be light, and may we penetrate the darkness with the good news of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. And again, we've been talking with Jeff Kinley, the author of The End of America, Bible Prophecy and a Country in Crisis. This is a title available from Harvest House Publishers. You can pick up a copy right now at IamAWatchman.com. We have all of Jeff's books there available for you at IamAWatchman.com. You can also find out more about his ministry at JeffKinley.com. That's Jeff K-I-N. Ly.com. You'll find out more about his ministry, his books, his speaking opportunities across the country, and so much more. So, Jeff, thanks again for being with us here today on A View from the Wall. Dylan and Joe, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we want you to know as we close today that we appreciate you. Uh, please leave us a comment where you've listened to this broadcast or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the username I Am a Watchman. Thank you again for being with us and join us next time on our program, A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.